Zach. I'm a pastor here at the Grove. Uh, typically, this is the part of uh, the, the, the service where we go and we preach. And we, you know, we typically go verse by verse through books of the Bible. Um, this past few weeks and in the next coming weeks, we're doing something a little different. Uh, we're still going to be preaching. We're going to be uh, preaching expositionally from Scripture, but we're not going verse by verse through book of the Bible. We are doing a sermon series called The Church When We Gather. Um, and, and the point and the hope and the heart is that um, we do some of the same stuff every single Sunday. And it could become routine. It could become like, oh, this is what we do. And, but we mi- might miss why we do these things. And then, and then for some of us, some of us didn't grow up in church. So we don't have, we've never known why we do these things. So we want to take some time and, and, and kind of revisit why do we do these things on Sundays? Why do we gather every Sunday? Why can't just a couple of us get together? Why can't I just watch on Facebook? Why can't I just listen to the podcast? Why do we gather? Why, why do we serve? And today we'll talk about why we pray. Uh, why do we pray Sunday mornings? Why did Sawyer pray? Why do we do the things that we do? Why, why do we pray? And so we're going to do that. And before we dive into that, into the passage that Holly read for us, um, I'm just so encouraged by you guys. Uh, you guys read that passage of Scripture together really well. Um, probably better than the first gathering, so congratulations. Don't tell them I said that, but good for you guys. Uh, no, it was really good, and, and I know it was different, and it was weird. Uh, we, don't, we haven't done that before, but uh, man, so like, I love Sundays. Sundays is my favorite day of the week. Uh, no matter what happens, and this was a pretty good week, but no matter what happens during the week for me, I just know I can come here on Sunday, I can gather with my brothers and my sisters, uh, my spiritual fathers and mothers and sons and daughters, and I could just worship. I could sing with them, uh, read scripture with them, and just be encouraged. And, and so I just want to thank you guys. Um, if we could bring that back up, the people part, just hearing you guys in unison say some of this stuff, um, like, like just like because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Like, like the language of the Bible is a lot of us. It is a lot of plural. So we, reading it together just makes sense for me, and it sounds wonderful. And so thank you guys for doing that. Thank you guys for bearing with us. Uh, it won't be the last time we do that, so we'll talk about it later in the sermon. But uh, we're changing a few little things about how we gather as we look at why do we gather, why do we do the things we do, and we'll talk about that as we get into today's sermon. Um, but man, this passage of Scripture is pretty fantastic. And they all are because it's the Bible, but this one, um, right, this one's pretty good. And so let's read again just a few verses, and then we'll, we'll chat about it. In verse 14, he says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. 
For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if the children then heirs and heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So we, we are children of God. We are invited and made part of this family. Um, we are sons of God. If we are led by the Spirit, then we are sons of God. Now, just got to do some work here real quick because it's 2019 and sons just means male, right? And we have a lot of females here at the Grove. And so is this for you? Is he talking to you guys? Uh, is this about you? Do you guys are like, are you second place to men? No. Um, Paul is talking to both men and women. And culturally, the son was a position of prominence in first century, first century uh, Roman life. The son was a position of prominence. The son, the oldest son specifically, but all the sons received inheritance. And the women didn't receive inheritance. The daughter didn't receive inheritance. They got whatever inheritance they married into. So it's not that Paul is not saying daughters aren't a part of this, just the guys, just the dudes, just the men get to be a part of this. But what he's doing is he's elevating women to the position of prominence that sons have. He's saying, in a way, you are like sons. You get the inheritance just like the guy sitting next to you. And so don't, don't read this and think, oh, women are left out, but actually women are raised up. Paul, what Paul is saying here would have been really weird and hard for Romans, Roman uh, citizens to understand and, and comprehend. Like, why, why, do, why do these women get to get the same inheritance that I get? And so it's, it's an awesome passage here. But those who are led by the Spirit are, are sons of God. We didn't receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So we get to call God the Father, Father, Abba, Father. If you have any church background, you've heard this passage before. Abba usually gets translated as this idea of like daddy, right? So we have this like intimate relationship with God. This, we get to call him daddy or father. Um, and, and that's true. That's in there. But also in this, this word Abba isn't just daddy. It's like is, there's this pride that's in this word. Like that's my dad. Like he could, he, he's, that's my dad. He could beat up your dad. He's stronger than your dad. Like that's my dad. There's this pride that's in this word. There's this almost possessiveness, like that's, he's mine. And it's, it's a sweet word for us to be able to call God that. Because we shouldn't be able to do that. Like sin has separated us from God. We shouldn't be able to call God Father, God Abba, Dad, that's my Father, that's mine, he's mine. Like we shouldn't be able to do that. But we get to because of the blood of Christ, right? So who, whoever's led by the Spirit, whoever is in Christ are sons of God. They don't have a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but a spirit of adoption. We've been adopted in as God's people. And we can't do that on our own. We're not able to do that on our own. Jesus suffered on the cross for us, and he's made a way for us to call God Father. He's made a way for us to enter in and to talk to our Father, God the Father. Not everyone gets to do that, right? Jesus made a way for those who are led by the Spirit, those who are Christians. Not everyone gets to call God the Father, Abba, Father. When, I, when, when Elium was younger, um, we, and Salome was recently born, and, and Elium heard people calling me Zach, and so Elium wanted to start calling me Zach. He wanted to be like other people. Uh, we're 
praying that he won't just be a follower his entire life, but that's what he was at this point of his life. And so he's just, he calls me Zach like other people. And I was like, hey, buddy, like there was, this was this moment where I felt like, man, God really gifted me the right words to say. Um, and I was like, hey, buddy, uh, everyone gets to call me Zach. Everyone calls me Zach. There's only two people on this earth who get to call me dad. And you're one of them. Like, it's not that you, I'm not going to make you call me dad, but you should want to because you, it's a special name that only you get to, to say. And so he calls me dad most of the time. Sometimes if I'm not listening, he'll yell Zach out, um, which, is, which is cool. But, and it gets my attention. There's nothing like hearing a little child yell Zach. Like, that really makes, oh, why is a kid saying my name? But he gets to call me father. Not everyone gets to do that. Eliam does because he's mine. Not everyone gets to cry out, Abba, Father, to God the Father, but those who are led by the Spirit, who have a spirit of adoption, those for whom Christ died for. So Christ made a way, because all of us, everyone, should not be able to do it. Right? Like, we have no right. Our sin has separated us from God. God created the heavens and the earth. He put man in the garden, and man and woman sinned and rebelled against God. And he sent them out of the garden and put an angel and a flaming sword to guard the entrance so that man could not come back into the presence of God. And then Jesus comes. God marches all of history to this point where Jesus comes and lives a sinless life and goes up on the cross to die in our place. And he cries out to his father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And what is God, what's God's reply? Silence. God doesn't answer his son. Because in that moment, for the first time ever, the son was separated from the father so that we would never have to again be separated from the father. In that moment in history, the first time ever, Jesus heard silence from his father so that we would never have to hear silence from our father. Jesus submitted himself underneath the sword guarding the garden, and it broke him and he broke it and we have a way back in. There's a way for us, like there's a way in which we can come in through the blood of Christ and talk to God the Father and cry out, God the Father. Um, when Mark d- preached the first sermon in this series, we were in Hebrews 10, and I want to reread a passage that he read to you guys and preached out of. Hebrews 10, 19 and 22. 19 through 22, rather. It says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from all, or from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. See, before Christ, there was this temple. And the temple had this place in it called the Holy of Holies. And that was where God dwelt. It's where God was. It's the presence of God. If anyone entered that presence, they would, without being washed clean, there was a ceremonial whole thing that happened. Without being washed clean, that person would be struck dead because no one sinful can be in the presence of God. When, and there was a curtain that divided the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple. And when Jesus died, that curtain was torn in two. This idea that we no longer, we have one mediator, someone has made us clean, that now we can go into the Holy of Holies. Those who've been made clean, those who have been sprinkled by the blood of Christ. So why we take communion to remind us that the blood of Christ has washed us clean. Those who've been washed, our bodies have been washed 
We can enter in and we can commune with God. We can talk with God the Father because Jesus has made a way for us. Not everyone gets to do that, but those who are led by the Spirit, those who are Christians can talk to their Father. It's incredible news. So we get to do it. I mean, oftentimes we talk about prayer and we say we should pray. You guys should be people of prayer. 100%, we should pray. But we cannot forget that we get to. That we get to talk to God our Father. We get to pray. We get to come to Him. And that He is a good, good Father. I think some of us miss this because um, we, we don't really believe that we've been washed clean. We're kind of like Peter, and we think that, hey, you need to wash more than just my feet. What you did for me wasn't sufficient. I've sinned so bad this week, I can't come to you and pray to you. I feel dirty. I can't pray. I feel dirty. I can't sing. I, I know a lot of us, like, when we, we come to church, and we, we come because we know we can come, we know we should come, and then we're, we're trying to sing with everyone else, but there's just stuff coming in our mind, like, stopping us. Like, oh, no, who are you to sing? Who are you to pray when you try and pray by yourself. Who are you to do this? Have you forgotten what you did this morning? Have you forgotten what you did yesterday? But no, like we can't listen to that. We get to pray because God, our Father, has made a way through His Son, Jesus Christ, that we get to. We've been washed clean. So we can't say that we're not clean enough. There's nothing you can do. I think sometimes what happens is we sin and then we feel like we have to clean ourselves up and then we can pray. We sin, we have to clean ourselves up, then we can come to church. We sin, clean ourselves up, then we can sing, or whatever it is, and we can read our Bible. That's not how this works. I've shared this story a hundred times, but when, when, I was, when my son was younger, he wanted to paint uh, a picture for, for his mom, and he was, you know, kids don't use brushes when they paint, they use their fingers, right? And so it gets, it's getting all messy. He got something on his face. I told him he got something on his face, so his an instant reaction was to get it off, and he just gets a ton more on his face, like just way it's like dripping down. And then so he's trying to get it, and he feels it now. So he's trying to get it all off. He just makes this mess on his face. My son could not clean himself up because the mess was not isolated to his face. It was on his hands. It was on his feet. It was on his shirt. He had to have someone come and clean him. I had to come and put him, his hands under the faucet put his face under the faucet. I know I could have used the shower. I didn't think about it. I was new. It's like new dad time. But put his face under the, the faucet. He was screaming, but he had to get it off and clean him. He couldn't do it himself. We can't do it ourselves. We come to God the Father because of the way that Christ has made for us. Not because you clean yourself up, not because you deserve it, not because you have a right to. The right you have to God the Father was given to you by grace by the mercy of Jesus. And so we should, yes, but we can. And also, I think one thing that we need to remember is that um, we have a good father. The idea of father or the pride that we could have in who our father is could be foreign to some of us who don't have good earthly fathers. It could be foreign to some of us who struggle to, to make the analogy or the connection between God being our heavenly father and, and this guy, this doofus, being my earthly father. Not all earthly fathers are great. I know that. I get it. And it, it's not God's design that we'd have fathers who fail us. But God's grace is sufficient for us in those times. And God isn't like our earthly fathers. God is our heavenly father who's perfect, who's in control of all things, and who loves us and wouldn't spare his own son to free us and to save us. That's who our Father is in heaven. So we can pray to Him. We should. 
and we get to. We get the inheritance as sons, and that inheritance is God himself, like Jesus has. So we should, can, and get to pray. It continues in verse 18, it says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoptions as sons, the redempt- redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is not seen, or hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. So there's a couple of reasons why it's really good news we get to talk to our Father. One is that there's suffering in this world. We, we experience suffering, right? And so, man, even this week, some of us can experience some deep, suffering. And we get to come to God and ask for help. And that's the way fathers should be. When we get ourselves into a mess, we should be able to go to our fathers. We should be able to go to them and, and, and when we're suffering, we're having hard times or whatever it may be, whatever your suffering looks like, we should be able to go to our fathers and ask for help. To go and, and not even, maybe it's not even asking for help, maybe you just need to lament. Just like complain with reverence. God, why is this happening? How long, O oh Lord, will you let this continue? Just to lament and just to cry out and ask for help, to tell him what's going on. Like we could do that, and we should be able to do that at home with our earthly fathers, and where we can, we should, where we can't, we know we have Heavenly Father we should always go to in suffering. And, and, and so we go to him in suffering. We also go to him just because we know that this world is broken. We pray because we suffer, but we also pray because we have a hope that this world will be restored. This, ho- this world is broken we live in. There's hurts that happen. There's um, oppression in this world. There's abuse in this world. There's death. There's decay. There's so much brokenness in this world it can be overwhelming. So we bring it to our Father. We bring the suffering and the brokenness to our Father. We also pray and rejoice because we know we, as Christians, we have hope. Not a hope that we see, but a hope that we know if we wait patiently, it will come. It talks about how even creation groans because it ha- it's like the pangs of childbirth, knowing something new is coming. Not, not death. There's not, there's not groaning because of the, of the pains of death, but the pangs of childbirth that this earth will be renewed and made back to the way it was supposed to be in the garden. Creation knows that and groans and waits for it, knowing that the adoption of sons means this is coming, this thing is coming, it's happening. And then we too groan, especially as sons, especially as children of God, we groan because we know there's something to come. But I think even if you, if you go outside of Christianity, I mean, everyone gro- like, is just groaning for something bigger than themselves, something better than what they have, Right? We talked about community uh, as we talk about when we gather, we should gather, we should gather with one another. And when I was at Missio Day a few weeks, a few weeks ago preaching in Asheville, we talked about community. And everyone wants community. Even people who don't want community 
form communities about not liking community. Like it's literally something you can't escape from, right? In high school, we saw this on full display. If you were homeschooled, I'm sorry. But not that I'm sorry you were homeschooled. I'm sorry that you didn't get to experience this. Uh, we thought about homeschooling our kids, but we didn't. But it's totally fine. The point is you might have missed this. You go, to home, you, go to, you go to public school, you have people who do sports. They hang out together. You have people who, who are nerds and geeks. You have to hang out together. People who play Magic the Gathering, Dungeons and Dragons, they hang out together. People who play in a band, they hang out together. Like, all these people hang out together. And, the, and then even the people who hate all the cliques form their own clique about hating the cliques. Like, this is, you literally cannot escape community because we groan inwardly wanting this thing. There's like three dudes in here today wearing the same jersey. They're forming a community around something super silly. But they're doing it. They're doing it. I don't know who it is or what's going on. I think it's the Panthers for sure. But I don't know. But we, we love to form community. Because our, our soul, the spirit that God put, put within us, knows that this is what we were created for. We were created for this community. So we, people, people outside of Christianity will find it in other ways, but we know this is where we find community. We find community not around the Panthers, although, hey, good luck today, but, but we find community around the gospel. And that's what binds us together. So we have home groups that have p- people who are single, people who are single with kids, people who are married, people who are old, people who are young. We have home groups that look so different because it's the community that binds us. It's the gospel that binds us, not stage of life, not how many kids or how old our kids are, but the gospel. So our inward, like we know we need something more than this, and so we groan, and, 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 and creation groans, and, and so we pray, and we pray because we suffer, we pray because this world is broken, but we also pray because we have a hope, and we ask God to come quickly. And so we pray and ask God to come. We ask God for, to come now and to come and bring his kingdom in Spruce Pine, bring his kingdom in Burnsville uh, for his will to be done in those places like it is in heaven. So we pray and ask God for those things. And then it continues, and this is, getting, this is gonna get really good here in a second. This is awesome. Verse 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit. So, so we believe in this thing uh, at the Grove, and most, most, all Christians should and do. We believe in this thing called the Trinity. We believe that we believe in one God and three persons. That may be super confusing. This isn't the sermon to explain the Trinity. If you want to talk about that, there's some resources and books I can give you. I'd love to set up time for coffee. But we believe in one God and three persons. You have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One God three distinct persons. And so when you pray to God the Father, you don't pray like you should. You don't know what to pray for. And God the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf, takes our prayers, cleanses them of sins, and brings them to God the Father. That's awesome. We read later that even Jesus, who now is raised up and seated at at God's right hand, intercedes for us right now. So we pray, the Holy Spirit takes our prayers and is like, oh man, like they're asking for things they want. They don't really need that. That's going to hurt them. So we're going we're gonna to change that. And we're going to conform that prayer to the word of God and, or to the will of God and bring that to God the Father. That's incredible. And we'll talk about why it's incredible. It's like, but that's just like, let's let it sink in that when you pray, God talks to God for you. 
like Christian, you never, ever pray alone. You may think when you're at home in your house and you're praying, you're by yourself, but you're not. You're praying to God the Father. The Holy Spirit's like, hey, let me bring this for you. God the Son's like, hey, let me pray. You pray, they discuss, and then they act. That's awesome. The Holy Spirit, like, we don't know what we should pray for, so the Holy Spirit, man, prays for you with growing. Like, so deep is, is the love and guidance and care of the Holy Spirit that, that just not even words, just groanings too deep for words for you, the Christian, for those who are led by the Spirit. Jesus intercedes for us. We'll keep reading. Verse 28, and we know, this is a very popular verse, we know, for all, uh, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for the good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined and those uh, to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So, um, the reason why the Holy Spirit has to take our prayers and cleanse them and change them and conform them to the will of God because we oftentimes pray for things we think we need or things that we want and pray for things that we think would be good for us. But the reality is we don't really know what's good for us most of the time. We don't. My kids don't know what's good for them most of the time. My kids want cookies all the time. And they ask me a lot, especially when we go to Ingles because they give out free cookies. So they're always wanting cookies, and I could give them a cookie every time we go to Ingles, and we typically do because we don't go there a ton. Um, I give them a cookie every time they ask, but that wouldn't be good for them. I wouldn't be being a good father. They ask for things they should not have, and so I don't give them those things. They think a cookie would be good for them all the time, but it's not. We, we are, the only thing that you can be sure of that's good for you is, to, is being conformed into Christ. That's your greatest good for your life. How that looks, I don't know. There's certainly some things we could say, praying, reading the Bible. There's certainly some ways that it's definitely going to look. But how God gets you to become like Christ, I have no idea how he's going to do that for you personally. But I know that if you, are, if you love God, if you're called according to his purpose, he will use everything in your life for your good. And that good is to conform you into the image of his son so that his son may be the firstborn of many brothers. That he won't be the only one who looks like Christ, but we all will eventually because of the work he's doing in us. So we pray for things, and we should pray for things. It should stop you from praying, but this should just motivate you to pray because you know that even if you're praying for the wrong stuff, God's not going to be cruel and give you stuff you shouldn't have. So pray, ask, come to him, talk to your father, knowing the Holy Spirit will fix things as you mess stuff up. That's good news. So, I mean, we, we, I love this because all things work together for good for those who are called according to purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son or that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Some people freak out at the word predestined. I just want to like let you, con- like it's t- what in, the, in the Greek, foreknew and predestined just mean foreknew and predestined. It means to know beforehand and to decide beforehand. That's really good news. I'm not here to explain predestination to you today. I would love to. Let's do a sermon series on it. It's fantastic. It's really good news for us. Because here's why it's good news for you. Before you were born, before the foundations of this earth, God knew you, he loved you, and he chose you. 
if you were in Christ. You didn't do anything to become chosen, and because you didn't do anything to become chosen, you can't do anything to become unchosen. There's nothing you could do to get out of the mighty hand of God. Just nothing. No sin. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing that could happen to you that would break his hold off your life. In fact, the way, the way we'd say it is if people do end up leaving the faith, what that confirms is they were never actually a part of the faith to begin with. That no one who is really saved ever becomes unsaved. God has predestined. He's foreknew. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So any condemnation you hear as you begin to pray, and you, you begin to pray and you hear so, something just like, who are you to pray? That's not Christ. That is not the Holy Spirit and it's not the Father. It's either your flesh or the enemy. I don't know which one. But just keep praying. You cannot leave God's hand. And then, he ends it, or he ends, we will end this section here. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Jesus intercedes for us. When we pray, God talks to God for you. This is really good news for a couple reasons. The first reason is because we are talked about because in our weakness, we don't know what to say. We say the wrong things. We ask for stuff that would actually harm us instead of help us. And the Holy Spirit fixes those and brings good prayers that conform to the will of God and what's best for you to become like Christ brings those to the Father. The second reason why this is incredible news is because it gives us confidence that our prayers are more than just good thoughts. Man, so like we, we go through tragedy. You have, we have mass shootings in our country. We have hurricanes. We go through tragedy, and you see online, you know, thoughts and prayers to those in Florida. I think it's really cool people are thinking about Florida, but thoughts don't do anything. Thoughts don't accomplish anything. Thoughts can, can do a lot for you personally. Like if you are constantly thinking about negative stuff, you're probably going to end up being a pretty negative person. Although Christianity would say the reason why you have negative thoughts is because you are a negative person. So thoughts are a really good indicator of who you are and where you are in life. But they're not going to accomplish anything in this world. Prayers do. Prayers can move things. See, God foreknew us and he predestined us before the foundations of the earth. What that means, and God uses all things for his good, for our good. So it means God's sovereign. He's in control of all things. So we ha can have confidence that when we pray, God can actually answer those prayers. That Jesus is actually praying also. And this isn't us throwing pennies in a wishing well, hoping cool things happen. This is us talking to God the Father. The Spirit cleansing those words and the, uh, the Son letting us in and then praying with us. I mean, this is incredible news. This, they can change things. God is sovereign, and sometimes God's sovereignty can be a hindrance to people's prayers, but it shouldn't. People can think, well, if God is sovereign, if he's in control of all things, then why should I pray? God can do whatever he wants, and he will do whatever he wants, so why should I pray? 
Well, I think the first reason is because God wants you to pray, and he can do whatever he wants, and this is what he wants you to do, right? So, like, we should just pray because God wants us to. But I think more so than that, the fact that God is sovereign, is in control of all things, and that he's sovereignly decided the way in which he'll move in this world is through the prayers of his people, that should propel us to pray. Like, God has decided there's things that, like, I would love to do, but more than I would love to do those things, I would love for you to ask me to do those things. Like, this is our God. He has decided that's the way he's going to work. So we come to God, the Godhead, the Trinity. Praying is a divine conversation with the Trinity. We pray, they discuss, then they act. We pray to a listening Father with support from the Spirit and a Son who brings us in to the throne room and prays with us. God so wants to hear your prayers. In Isaiah 65, verse uh, 24, he says this, Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. God so wants you to talk that he's like just ready. Like before you even call, he's like, I'm listening. I'm hearing. I, I got it. Before the words leave your mouth, he's like, I hear you. But that's how badly he wants us to pray. So we pray because we should because we can, because we get to, and because he wants us to. So we should be people of prayer. We talk to our Father because he's our Father. It's not magic. It's not some sort of incantation. It's not witchcraft or Harry Potter voodoo. We come to him, and he's a real, real God who really listens. We praise him. We confess to him. We uh, receive uh, assurance from him that we are forgiven. We lament we cry out for help. We ask him for power. We ask him for guidance. We come to him and we pray. And the reality is, the last thing I'll say that we, why we pray is because we need him. We need him. Like, we can't do all that God wants us to do by ourselves. We need to pray. We need to ask him for help. Ask for the Spirit's power. Like, I believe that God really wants to use the local church, not just the Grove, but the local church, to reach the ends of the earth. And he's doing that, and he's, he's, he's done that, right? This thing started in uh, Jerusalem. We're in Spruce Pine. I don't know if you've seen a map. They're pretty far away, right? Like, he's reached the ends of the earth. We, we're the ends of the earth. Sometimes it's easy for us in America to think we're the center of the earth. I'm just being honest. I'm not, it's not a dig against, you know, being, uh, liking our country. But it's easy to think, hey, we're like, you know, we're the powerful, we're the center. We're the ends of the earth. Like when Jesus said, you know, we're going to the ends of the earth, like we're it. And so, man, like it's here. And then we're taking it further. We're taking it to places that have forgotten it. We're taking it to, to, we're taking it to the forgotten places. And, and we can't do it alone. And I got to be honest with you guys, I'm not good at this. Like I think, and this is in my flesh, like I think if I just work hard enough, I read the right books, and I, I have the right strategies, and I, and I prepare sermons well enough and long enough that I could just make stuff happen. I could convince you guys to come with me, to go into Burnsville, to go into Spruce Pine, and Avery County, and you could, we could just preach the gospel, and things would happen. But that's not actually true. I can't do it. I don't have the power. I don't have the words that we could convince anyone, but God does. So we need him. We ask him for his help. So he, he, here's what I love. There, there's one last little passage of scripture and then we're going to apply this thing, and, and, and then we'll, we'll sing. But in Acts chapter 4, starting verse 24, there's this picture of the early church praying together, and God does some cool stuff. 
says when they heard it, so they were just, they were just uh, released after being uh, in prison for a short period of time. And when they heard it or, or gathered for a short period of time, they, they filled their voices or they lifted their voices together to God. So all of them lifting their voices as one, praying together. And they said, Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. And through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why do the Gentiles rage? And the people, people's plot in vain. The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against the anointed. For truly in this city, they were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan have predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. I can't make anything shake. This is a pretty solid building. No one's shaking it, except for God. I can't give you guys boldness. I can't heal anyone. But God can, and we need God. If we're going to fulfill the mission that God has for the Grove, we are going to have to be a people of prayer. We're going to have to pray, never alone, maybe by ourselves at home, knowing that God, the Father's hearing, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are praying with us. But we're going to have to pray together. So what does that look like? What does it look like for the Grove to pray together? There's, there's tons of churches, and a lot of churches pray, and I think it's fantastic. But we're going to talk about the Grove, because this sermon series is about the Grove, and you guys are at the Grove right now, and I'm preaching at the Grove. So we're going to talk about what does it look like for us to pray. It could look different in other places, and that's totally fine. But for us, what it looks like for us to pray, and for us to talk, and, and, and do this is, is, well, one, we're just going to pray. Saw your prayer at the beginning. I'm about to pray. Saw he's going to pray again at the end for people to pray. There'll be times where praying, look, praying looks different. There'll be times where we might gather some people up here and pray. There might be times where uh, something happens in our, in, our, in our world, and we're going to pray for that specific thing. So prayer is going to look a million different ways. But on, uh, on a typical Sunday, we are going to read Scripture and pray in such a way that models the gospel. We're so, our, even though our hearts are prone to wonder, right? We're so prone to wonder that, man, like, I want us to pray the gospel over us, to say the gospel over us, to ask God to empower us to believe the gospel, and then empower us to go preach it to the ends of the earth, the ends of Spruce Pine, the ends of, of Burnsville, Bakersville, wherever you are. We want to bring the gospel. We need God's Spirit, so we're going to pray and, and, and exercise and, and, and build in habits of the gospel into our gathering here on Sundays. So what does that mean? So he, here's the story of the gospel. You've got really four parts. You have you know, God and creation. He created everything and it was good. So the beginning of our gathering, we did it today, we're going to have a call to worship. We're going to say, we're going to maybe read scripture, maybe we'll do a, a reading together like we just did. I don't know, it'll look different every Sunday, but it will all convey one point that God is God and he's good. Then we'll sing some songs, we'll have a welcome, and then what we'll do is we'll confess, right? Because the next part of the gospel is that sin came in. Sin came in and entered this world and fractured our relationship with God. So we'll confess our sins together. We did that by reading Ephesians chapter 2, right? So we want, if we were dead in our trespasses, we confessed that. Then we're going to receive an assurance of pardon. We did that together, also Ephesians 2, right? 
we read that together. That even though, but God. But's like one of the best words. We don't let our kids say it, but it's one of the best words in the Bible. It's got one less T if you're tracking with me. Like, two different words. Um, right, it's incredible. So we're going to receive that assurance together that we are forgiven if we're in Christ. That yes, we are sinful and we're broken. And here's one, just one quick thing. I know like confessing sin and pray, even praying a prayer of confession might seem weird to be a welcoming place, but can you imagine if we were just always happy and like everything's great, everything's fantastic, if, if visitors came into this church and, and like how well does that relate to what their life really is like, what our life really is like? But if we come up, if they come up and walk up these steps and come in here and they hear like, hey, we know we're jacked up too, like, that, like they can relate to that. If we, they come up and they hear a prayer of lament saying like, man, God, how long are you going to let these shootings go on? How long are we going to see hurricanes hit the coasts where people live? Like, they're gonna, like we can't, like we, we should and will always celebrate God's goodness here, but there'll be times where we'll have to confess our sin so that we can celebrate. So we'll confess, we'll receive assurance of pardon, we'll have a time of instruction where we, or we'll sing, and then we'll have a time of instruction where we have a sermon. We'll celebrate God's goodness and provision for us through communion, God's goodness and provision for us in giving and singing and praising God and responding to the gospel. God speaks, we respond. And then we'll close out. We, we, we will do announcements. It's really not part of the gospel. Except for the fact, I guess, the angels announced the gospel when Jesus was born. So yeah, announcements are totally part of the gospel. And, uh, and so and now we'll have a time of announcements. And then, and then someone will come back up and do what's called a benediction. So we're going to do that today. A benediction is simply just a, a, a blessing over God's people and for God's people. The way our benedictions will look will be a blessing to go out into the world and share the gospel. So we have creation, a call to worship. We have sin. We have a confession. We have Jesus, an assurance of pardon, which is redemption. And then we have a benediction being sent out into the world, which is God's restoration and ministry of reconciliation. So every Sunday you'll see the story of the gospel through us praying together, through us reading together. It may look different each Sunday, but man, it's going to be beautiful because we, man, so many of us, myself included, before I get down to the bottom step, have forgot, forgotten what God has done for me. I'm so worried about next Sunday or what someone said about my sermon or what this, like you get so wrapped up in what's going on in your life, you've forgotten the gospel. So we need to remind ourselves constantly. So we're about to transition into that time of, of celebration. Um, so we'll have communion. If you're a Christian, you want to come celebrate the fact that God has made a way for you to enter the Holy of Holies, come up, take communion. There's bread, wine, juice, based on your, whatever your conviction is, come eat, drink, celebrate that God has sprinkled his blood on us that we can come into the Holy of Holies and pray and approach the throne of grace boldly. We'll sing together and we'll praise God for saving us and for what he's done. And for his word, we'll respond that way. And then if you're a member of the Grove, this is our time to give and to celebrate God's provision for us as we give back to his mission through the local church at the Grove. Um, so if you're a member, this is your chance. Uh, you can also do it online. If you're not a member, if you're a guest or you're new here, our, pray, our prayer isn't that you would give to us, but that our service would be a gift to you. So don't feel the need to do that. But that's for our members and, and, and people who are committed to uh, the way we advance the kingdom here. 
I'm going to pray for us, and then we will sing together, we'll eat together, drink together, give, and then we'll go home. Father God, I thank you so much for your word, Lord. I thank you for um, the gift that is Christ, that we can come into the Holy of Holies, that we can hear um, from you, that we can uh, sing to you, that we can pray to you, that we can come in, and as we do those things, we're not alone. We're never alone. The Holy Spirit intercedes. Uh, the Son intercedes. And God, I'm just so thankful that we get to come in, but that you don't leave us alone. That you surround us and help us when we don't know what to pray or when we think we know what to pray, but we don't pray as we ought, Lord, that you help us. You don't just leave us left to ourselves. God, be with us. God, create in us a people of prayer. That we would pray because we should because we can because we get to and that we need you create that in our hearts father i pray that as we sing it would be a blessing to you i pray that as we eat and celebrate your goodness that it would bless us remind us of who you are and how great you are father be with us let your spirit fall in this place i pray this in your son jesus name amen love you guys